really an exciting time. I had a lot of energy and I loved it. Right. It would happen to be in the world of TV. Mm-hmm. But 12 years in, mm-hmm. I heard a voice in me in the quiet of my apartment. I heard a voice trying to get out. It, you know, I say it's my heart voice because I know the difference between the head voice and the heart voice. And the, the heart voice asked me, if this is the next 30 years of your life, is this enough? Right. And Adrian, that rocked my world. Welcome to the Meaningful Jobs Podcast Season 2. I'm your host, Adrian, and today um, I'm extremely grateful to have um, Genevieve on our show, who has uh, her own, her own uh, non-profit called the Pajamas Program um, and is a professional speaker now. So how are you, Genevieve? I'm fine, Adrian. Thank you for this invitation. No problem. Um, you know, when I was um, reading your story on LinkedIn and before you came to my show, um you had, you know, a very interesting trajectory. You were in the corporate world, then started an NGO, and now you're a professional speaker. So if you could kind of kind of talk us through what, you know, your career is about, maybe. Yes, sure, sure. You know, I grew up thinking or hearing, get a good job, go yeah. to college, get a good job, get yeah. a good job, you know, bills are no joke. Bills everybody's no everybody's you know, been through that. Yeah. Very, very similar to most people. And so that's what I did. And I wanted the status of being a high achieving New Yorker workaholic. Mm. I just thought that was exciting. And that's mm. what success was. That's what I was told. And so I bought yeah. in, I believed it. Right. And I was successful and I worked, you know, my tail off and I mm. went up the corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. And it was an exciting time. You know, it was really an exciting time. I had a lot of energy and I loved it. Right. It would happen to be in the world of TV. Mm-hmm. But 12 years in, mm-hmm. I heard a voice in me in the quiet of my apartment. I heard a voice trying to get out. It, you know, I say it's my heart voice because I know the difference between the head voice and the heart voice. And the, the heart voice asked me, if this is the next 30 years of your life, is this enough? Right. And Adrian, that rocked my world because I'd never heard a voice come out of me. I didn't know that that might have been brewing in there. Sorry, but, is that like audible or was it, you know? Yes, I heard yeah. it. Yes, heard I heard it. it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I heard it. It's clear. Right. And I realized that it, it didn't mean anything when I just stopped and listened and repeated that question to myself. There wasn't any meaning to the 12 years that I put in except it was fun you know it was exciting but it didn't go very deep right and I realized that the hole that that question came out of had to do with children and I didn't have children I chose to lead this you know crazy status seeking career so I thought, how could I bring children to my life? Because I knew instinctively that was the hole in me. Right. Well, I said, well, I'm not in a position to have them right now. I'm not, you know, that's probably not the best way, but I know I have something to give. So I started to call emergency shelters because I had seen news reports of police and social workers rescuing these children from 
awful, awful circumstances, as you probably can imagine, and I've read about two. Yeah. I called the, the emergency shelters. I asked if I could read to the children at night after work, and mm -hmm. they welcomed me. They thought that was a nice idea. They would love that. Right, right. I went in in my business suit. I brought children's books, and here come the little children, mm -hmm. very young, five, six, seven, eight, because it was an emergency shelter where the police took took them from their home, which wasn't very homey, to safe quarters. And they sat down and I read stories to them. Now right. I could tell immediately, as anyone could tell, they were frightened, right. they were lonely, right. they did not have appropriate clothes, they were mm -hmm. either soiled or tight, not comfortable at all. And they could tell they'd been wearing them for too long. Right. The hygiene wasn't very good because this was a quick 24 hours a day shelter where they got the kids in and they assessed the situation. They tried to find the next stop for these kids. Right. So they were pretty raw. And I read to them week after week, different group of children every day. So one night I wondered where they were going when I was going to leave and they were going to sleep in another room. And when I went in that room, it was so bare and mm -hmm. the children were still so frightened some of them holding each other, sleeping right. in the same clothes, right. sniffling, some of them crying. And my heart was breaking because I remembered my mom putting me to bed and my brothers and my sister and how loving that was and how um, we felt safe and secure and certainly felt loved. And we had pajamas on. That was a big part of it, right? The snacks, right. the milk and the cookies and pajamas. Right. And... I asked if I could bring pajamas next time. I don't know why, Adrian, that's the sentence, that's the question. Mm -hmm. But I said, can I bring pajamas next time? And they said, that would be really, that would be lovely. Right. So books the next weekend, pajamas. And mm -hmm. after I read, I started giving them out. And there was a little girl who was so afraid of me. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't take the pajamas. I had pretty pink pajamas. And I said, they're pink and you have purple shirt on. Her, her shirt was soiled and her clothes were tight. Her mm. hair was messy in the pigtails. Mm. I tried to keep asking her, don't you want to feel them? You could have these pajamas. Don't you want your pajamas? And she was so afraid of me. She just said, no, no, no. And she kept backing off. And it really perplexed me. I didn't know why she was so afraid. Finally, she was the last one standing there with her staff person. The other kids had gone into that room with their pajamas. And I tried one more time. And I tried to get her to touch them. And I said, you can keep these. These are yours forever. You can wear them to sleep and tomorrow all day if you want to. And I said, don't you want your pajamas? And she whispered to me, what are pajamas? Right. And that was the moment that I knew I had a new change was coming. I knew personal change was coming in my life. I knew I had to do whatever I could. I knew this was wrong. And I just became obsessed mm -hmm. with somehow finding a way to make this right mm -hmm. in, in some small way. I wasn't planning to ask this, but, you know, after hearing your experience, you know, having an audible voice, would you say it made you religious? You know, I always believed in God. I was raised Roman Catholic, so I did and do believe in God. Right. Um, I learned through the next... I learned through the next 20 plus years, now 24 years, mm -hmm. that there's a God, whether you call it God, universe, mm -hmm. 
source, inner being, yeah. anything for God, that exists. That energy, that source exists and it's our partner. Right. Especially when we are brave and honest enough to say, this is something I must do. This is me. This is my purpose. This is mine to do. My responsibility. I was given this. I was born with this. Yeah. I think that sort of wakes up all the forces that have been waiting <laughs> to say, go, you'll see how much support you're going to get, not only from your fellow human beings, but invisible forces. Wow. Um, you know, amazing experience you've got. And, you know, before I dive you know, deeper in how you set up your NGO, your experiences in NGO, could you, you know, rewind a little bit and tell us a little bit about, you know, how you first started in the corporate world and, you know, what made it so exciting at first, but faded away, you know? Yes, sure, sure. Well, <clears throat> I always loved watching TV, still do. So right. the idea of being in New York where there's entertainment, where there are TV syndication companies, TV stations, right? Broadway shows, you know, movies are made there. I thought if I could just land some kind of an entertainment job, I would, that would be it. I would have made it. And if I could climb my way up, mm. I would love that kind of life. Right. And there used to be um, a show, Mary Tyler Moore show, and she was a woman in a big city. And yeah. she made it in a man's world in TV. And I watched her all the time. So right. that inspired me to choose the entertainment business and then the TV business. So mm. I got an entry-level job, first in radio and then in TV. and uh, I loved I loved it and it certainly was a very tra traditional job you know you work your way up from assistant to the marketing department to manager to director to vice president it was very traditional in in that that yeah. way it was respectable it right. was you know decent money that all all the earmarks of being um a good job so yeah. you climbed up to the VP level within like a decade, right? Which yeah. you know, is a pretty short period, actually. Um, I I, I don't know, but mm. but felt long. <laughs> it felt long. Well, <laughs> well, the number doesn't seem that big, but yeah, it might be different because um, you know, you're the one experiencing that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, and it was an exciting time to be in the business, and I made some friends. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was making my parents proud. I, you know, I was doing well, my peers thought, you know, and we were all in it together. I you know how fast can we get up there and how much money could we make and yeah. you know, what title could we get? That was, that was how I was raised. Right, right. So you were actually enjoying, can I say, you know, enjoying at least the first half or even the first eight, nine years of, of, of that. But yes, that yes. Yeah. So, you know, my question would be, at what time point does things suddenly change? You know, you mentioned about having an audi audible voice, but, you know, before having that, did you have a sense of, you know, maybe that perhaps, you know, this isn't it, this isn't your whole life, maybe? No, no, I didn't know purpose. Nobody ever talked about purpose with me. No one ever said, <clears throat> think about what you were meant to do, what your job is here. Think about what you what you love that comes from you, what your yeah. responsibility is. That was never, you know, now I teach that to students and to anybody who'll listen. Right. Really go deep down and find out what 
is yours to do more than just what you love, mm-hmm. but what you feel you were born to do. And no, I had never thought about it. I just thought a good job, exciting job. Yeah. That's not fulfillment all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so, you know, it, it was so it's actually pretty dramatic because you know you were on this trajectory everything mm-hmm. looks good but then all of a sudden you heard this voice and you know your, your world your world turned upside down so you know can you walk through you know what immediately happened when you heard that voice sure sure and I think maybe Adrian because I was running so fast mm-hmm. maybe if I had taken a slower route or was a different type of personality yeah, I've had more downtime, and maybe that voice was trying to get out. Maybe something I would have noticed something. Maybe if I surrounded myself with others who were living on purpose and feeling fulfilled, I would have seen the difference in me yeah. and them. But I was I was surrounded by the same type of personalities and the same drive. So I think that I just was going so fast and right. thinking it was all so good. Yeah. So, so when I sat down the first time with those kids in the shelter on the floor, I never felt that peace or that connection or grounded. And that struck me as very odd. It's almost like the world stopped. Mm-hmm. And I felt it. I remember. And I felt that quiet in me and that connection with these children who didn't even talk. I mean, they didn't speak to me. They just sat there bewildered mm-hmm. as I read stories, but there was this connection. Now, I don't know if it's a, you know, we have past lives. I don't know. I don't know if it's, you know, my karma. I don't, I don't know about any of that. I just know I felt different deep down. Right. So, um, you know, after you heard that voice, you know, encountering these children, you had a really deep sense of peace. And I guess, you know, that's when you decided to, you know, start your NGO. So, you know, was there like a transition period where you did both at once or, you know, what happened? In, in I didn't know it was going to be a nonprofit. I did not have any clue. All I knew was I wanted to keep doing this. Right. And right. I thought I could do the job because I needed the money now. Those pajamas and books were costing me a lot because I was going crazy buying everything I could. Right. But I didn't tell anyone what I was doing because I had a feeling that was going to be a bigger part of my life than my career. And I didn't want to admit to anybody and I didn't want to tell anybody because it sounded ridiculous to say, I think I'm going to quit my job. I don't know how I'm going to pay my mortgage, but I just want to give these kids pajamas because listen, they don't have them. They're going to sleep. They're going to have nightmares. That's not right. So I need to give them pajamas. Sounds ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And I said it to myself in my head and I said, that sounds stupid because people are going to say, you're crazy. I'm going to have no support. I'm going to be embarrassed, all that. So I didn't tell anyone. I just kept doing it, Mm -hmm. kept doing it, kept doing it. Mm. One friend told me I was crazy when I confided in her, and that scared me to tell, from telling anybody else. Right. Then I told this wonderful man in my life, and I was cringing, waiting, because, mm. you know, he's going to have to decide if he was going to be on board or not. Yeah. And yeah. I said, I have a feeling I'm not going to be wanting to continue to work at my job because I want to give these kids pajamas. And I feel this <laughs> inner calling, whatever. And he said, 
go for it. Mm. So 24 years later, I've been happily married and my biggest supporter, but it took a while for me first to feel comfortable talking about it, mm. to make peace with the fact that I had no idea how money was going to pay my mortgage, mm. my bills, which were mine. And the, what happened was the, the beauty of the human connection. I started slowly after I told my husband, I told my parents to start telling people and somebody from a national magazine wrote a teeny tiny article and the response was incredible. Now, I did not have a 501c3. I was not official. I didn't know anything about starting a nonprofit. It never even occurred to me until all the boxes, I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of boxes from people who read the article, sending it to my home address, which was public. Wow. And in one of the boxes of boxes of cash and pajamas and books, there was a letter from a company that said, please send us your 501c3 so we can give you a grant. Right. So I looked at the wonderful man of my life and I said, what is this thing? <laughs> 501c3. I didn't even know what it was. Right. right. I had to figure out, I had to find out what that was. And then I said, oh my goodness, I have to do this. This has to be a proper, respected, acknowledged nonprofit because this is now my responsibility. Right. All these people are trusting me to get this, get these, their gifts to the children with the sweet letters and the, you know, the wanting to help. Wow. So that's the start. That's how it started as a nonprofit, but I had no clue. And I had to catch up so fast because I had no idea mm. what it would take. It just goes to show you never know what's around the corner, right? And, and you never know what you can do because it never occurred to me that I could start a nonprofit or that I could tell my story enough to get yeah. support. But I guess the beauty is that you don't know what's around the corner, but you still have to take action first. You might have a grand vision, but you still need to take the first step. And that's what you did. And, you know, it took you a long way. And I think you even went to the um, Oprah Winfrey show at one point, did you? I think mm -hmm. I, I read that. Did, did, you, did you go Did you go to uh, Oprah, the um, Oprah show? Yes, Oprah yeah, I think, I think you did. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell yeah. us, you know, was, was it like, how was it, you know, being a guest on a show? Was it surreal? It was very surreal. And um Everyone should watch it, not because I was on it, but because of the the human connection aspect mm. of what happened. Because mm. it was truly um, breathtaking to see the beauty in in people, to, mm. to hear the beauty um, that Oprah evokes in people, the power of trust in her. Mm. and the smallest of, of stories you know mm. my story was just a little story and mm. people's reaction was gigantic and they they aired it three times because they said oh. that the audience viewer audience yeah was writing in they, they loved it because it was a beautiful example of the human connection and and what we do together you know i always say it's not the power of one that changes things it's the power of one another that moves mountains and moves people right right and that's well, an example i guess she's not called the talk show queen 
for nothing, right? And right. <laughs> I, I don't really follow her shows that often, but, but I probably should. Um, but um, does she invite you because of, you know, directly because of your NGO? Or was it, you know, something else? Or, you know, what did you talk about in the, in the, in the interview with her? Well, they told me that they called me because people were writing in about this lady starting this, this not starting a nonprofit, but doing this. Yeah. And, and other people were following and helping me bring pajamas to the shelter. So I think that simple um, show of compassion touched her and touched the producers. And also to see how other people wanted to be a part of such a simple giving you know exercise that reached that deep down all of us mm. so you know fast forward a few years have you paid off your mortgage already <laughs> no no um, okay i so thought it was a yes i had to sell because it was small right. so right. Right. the jama program was growing and it was home-based at that time so my new husband and i decided we needed the money from the sale whatever we could get for this co-op yeah and you know, buy pajamas and, and all the expenses that we needed to pay. So we decided to rent and we are still renting and we are very happy about the decision we made. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, well, I think, I don't know about the US, but in the UK, you know, rents are sky high because of, of inflation. Well, hopefully that's not the case. Um, no, I think we're okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's great. That's great. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? So I think you do... Uh, you're like a professional speaker full-time now um can you tell us a little bit about that or yeah. other things that you're doing now sure I'll always be founder of pajama program so for the first yeah. 20 years I was also executive director day-to-day -day, everything and right. I through those years people asked me to speak and tell the story yeah. and I grew to understand that there was a part two to my purpose and that's sharing and inspiring and supporting others who want to find their purpose mm. show them how valuable and what a different life it can be if you're if you take that chance and you follow that heart voice because we yeah. all have it put it on the back burner or we shut it up because we're not brave enough or ready mm. you know ready to to do what we really want to do what we feel we're we're meant to do mm -hmm. so i wanted to write a book so after 20 years passed the baton we hired an executive director i gave her my salary and now my business and my income is speaking and inspiring people on finding and leading with purpose and leaving a legacy right. and um, and sharing and sharing and supporting. So how do you do that now? So like, how do you inspire people to find their calling in life? Well, I think I got a little help from the pandemic right. because my book was due to come out during the pandemic and yeah. there was something in me since I, I told you about the universe helping, yeah. I said, you no, know, I have had universal help that's accompanied all the human connection help. I just think something good's going to come of my book coming out in the pandemic. I couldn't fight it anyway. That was the date. Mm. So it came out and it's about purpose. So yeah. it did well. And it, we got five, I got five awards for the book because wow. it touched a chord in people who sort of I feel like it was a near-death experience going through the pandemic you know there were people not surviving it in our communities in our families 
we couldn't see the end of it at the beginning. And it was, it was scary. Doctors and nurses were wearing, you know, space suits and you couldn't go and see yeah. your loved ones in hospitals. What is that? Yeah. And I think, I think it, it helped mm. to bring awareness to changing what was not fulfilling us. What mm. would you do if this was the, the last day on earth? That question became a real question. Mm. And I think People are in a place now where they can be inspired to make a move. They can be brave if they know the ups and downs. And I make a point in my book too. I tell them when it wasn't easy and I tell them the fear and the, the crying and the you know losing sleep and the ups and downs. And I think that, I hope that that's supportive and comforting so that when they're thinking about doing it, they don't think, oh, it's easy. Right. They think, wow, it's worth it. Mm. Well, yeah, the last point you made was extremely good, I thought. You know, sometimes it's human nature to take the easy way out. But, you know, for you know, if you do the difficult thing, but you can have a more fulfilled life, you know, that's you know, much more important. I um, think we're seeing that now. We're feeling that now. Yeah. So do you have like, a? I'm quite interested in like your client base. So like, do you have a particular target audience, target client base? Um, You know, how, how do you, what, like, what's the decision making behind, you know, choosing certain audiences or clients? Right. Well, there are three. First, there are the students, the young, the young ones who are considering what to do for the rest of your your young lives well not that young anymore but you know <laughs> young. to consider purpose to think about it it's real mm. it's real you, you don't want to go 10 20 30 years in and look back and say wow i still don't feel any meaning in my life mm. and i think we need that in addition to family life i think we need to feel good about what we're doing and and contribute what we're supposed to be doing. We know if we take time to figure out what am I meant to do here, we can figure it out. And as as a career path, being a parent is nothing like it. That's a legacy that's purposeful. Mm -hmm. um, so I think for me, since I didn't take that route and I take so much joy in, in congratulating people who have raised other human beings it's, it's a miracle in itself but i think i talked to the students to say think about it long and hard before you take a job right because it's, gonna, it's gonna come back it's gonna come back to you at some point two years five years 20 years 25 years you want to say i did the right thing so those are the younger people mm -hmm. and then there are groups um, a lot of them women but some more and more of them men who are ready to take another path right so I can tell them mm. how to do it that i did it show them the way that i did it help them support them and then there are the, the leaders who have teams employees who need yeah. to find purpose together the collective purpose mm. so those are people who like being an employee and a team they just want to feel more connected to the leader and to the purpose and, and leaders don't always feel connected either Founders pretty right. much find, start something because it's their connection to something. Mm. So there's a whole corporate part mm. that needs to exist. It's a, there's a great place for the corporate world, mm. 
we need that. But I think the culture, as we're all learning, needs to be strengthened. And that's around, I believe, purpose. Well, so, you know, lastly, before we end the interview, um, would you say you were... Uh... Do you, do you regret, you know, going to corporate um, and spending 12 years there? You know, I I do often wish, and certainly over the last 24 years, I thought, wow, how, how much farther I could be with these children if I had started early. But I wasn't ready. Things happen for a yeah. reason. Maybe I wouldn't have appreciated it. Maybe I wouldn't have felt as fulfilled. Maybe I wouldn't be able to share as much and compare and relate to people who've first done taken one path and want to change the path so i i stopped regretting that i didn't start earlier because it just right. wasn't meant to be right because you know um i guess a lot of us you know really want to you know we, we feel like you know money isn't everything you know there must be a higher purpose in life but for a lot of young people which you touched upon and you said you might not encourage them to you know get a job immediately a lot of them do need to pay off the debts, you know, mm -hmm. you know, money to live. What mm -hmm. advice would you give them? Well, I teach the jump, which is what I did, the complete change, but I teach the sl slide. And I know that if you say you love to sing and you need money to pay your debts, it's a very real need of all ages, not just starting out and paying college debt. There are people who cannot physically or they don't have the support to make a big jump and or are willing to make that scary jump. Yeah. Then slide it in. If you like to sing, if you like to be with animals, and I go through a whole exercise and you can go to my website, genevievepetoro.com and download the how to find your purpose. Yeah. Slide it into your life for an hour a week or more if you can, but at least an hour a week. Spend time doing what you love. Take a singing lesson if you're terrible. Join the choir. You have to do something to give it life because yeah. it, burying that, putting it on the back burner, it's in the dark. Yeah. That is eating at you. And you'd be amazed how wonderful you feel, even with just a little, a little bit in your life of it. So you're not ignoring the part of you that lights up. So a lot of times you start with a slide and you realize a little bit at a time you see a way to make a shift. Mm. But even if you don't, if you have that passion and that purpose in your life in some way, it changes everything. Well, that's a very powerful interview that you did there. And, you know, it was, it was, it's a pleasure having you um, on our podcast. And um, I wish you all the best and, you know, have a great day. Adrian, thank you so much.